Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neary. Well, hey, everybody. It is Lisa from True North Homeschool Academy, and I'm here with Anna Naub, who's one of our fantastic teachers. She teaches Lit and Comp at True North, and we are here to talk to you guys today about the death of the essay. This was a discussion in our teachers group, and there's an article going around about how do we really need essays and are they really important? And so Ann and I are going to talk to you about what we think about the death of the essay. So we're glad you're here. Anna, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Hello, thank you. Yes, the two-year-old is going, Mom, I want to paint still. So I'm apologizing <laughs> in advance here. No problem. <laughs> um, and you guys just, you were at the end of our first semester for True North Homeschool Academy classes. You just finished up um, Austin and Bronte, Dystopian Lit. Um, and medieval literature. So you've had a full busy semester of teaching essay writing and reading essays. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I have loved every minute of it because I just have such a killer group of kids. I I think I've asked all of them, are you, are you a junior or a sophomore? Okay, great. Because I need you in my class next year because yeah. I love you. Like I want them all again forever. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You're going to be teaching a summer class, um, doing a book where you really dive in deep. Oh, right, right. You're going to do two. Tell us the two book studies you're going to do this summer for summer session. Yeah. So uh, the first one that I am doing is 1984. Mm. Uh, and I did that this past summer. And we literally just read the book. Yep. Um, we talk about literary analysis. And it is just a deep dive Socratic seminar style um, of 1984. Um, and I did have a few kids in the summer join the class this fall and they're so glad that they took it because they felt like they came in with like so much more depth and understanding, like just a little ahead of the ball game. Um, you're talking about for the dystopian lit full year class. Yes. Yes. Because you read that in that class too. And so even though it was a bit of an overlap, I, this is one thing we've talked about in the teacher's page, uh, over and over is that, you know, review and going over things, just you can layer your understanding and the kids can too. So sure. that quick getting through it and checking the box, that's, that's helpful sometimes, but sometimes doing deep dives and and doing it like the six week summer class with 1984, and then doing it again as a quarter read and a full year dystopian class, your kids are going to be able to really get a deep dive into what George Orwell meant and the dystopian yeah. themes and all that kind of stuff. So great, yeah. great stuff. Okay. That's yeah. one class you're teaching this yes. summer. What's the second one? <laughs> um, the second one that I am teaching is a very similar style class, but for Hamlet, um, right. because next fall I'm going to be doing a full year Shakespeare class. Um, and Hamlet was not going to fit in the schedule. And so this was my way to get Hamlet in the schedule. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that kids that, are interested in the full year Shakespeare class, take the summer Hamlet class because Hamlet is like the pinnacle of Shakespeare work. Um, I was just watching a Harold Bloom interview and he was talking about how um, Shakespeare created personality in writing. Wow. He said prior to that, you know, you had 
moral right and wrong kind of things. But Shakespeare is who turned writing in from kind of moral right and wrong into personality mm, and giving human depth in yeah. literature, which just like, wow, that is such a great point. Yeah. yeah like, even, and I was thinking about it, like even because I'm doing medieval lit this yeah. year, Beowulf, um, yes. Chaucer, mm-hmm. right? Like we think Chaucer and Canterbury Tales, like they're great, but they're all moral right. metaphors and allegories. And I was like, wow, that is yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, want to, I want to just back up. You're going to do Hamlet this, this summer for the six week yes. summer session. And then you're going to do a full year of of Shakespeare in the yes. fall. And the reason why is your medieval lit and comp goes along with the medieval history that Natasha Jones is teaching. And then next year you're doing Shakespeare. Natasha is going to do Renaissance history. So we've got those two, that classical track. If you guys are interested, these are great teachers and great, great classes. Super excited for those. And Shakespeare was actually my concentration in college. Really? Um, yeah. I fully cool. went into school intending to teach college. Yeah. And then I actually fell in love with teaching Shakespeare to high schoolers. Um, yeah. teaching Romeo and Juliet to freshmen is like the joy of my life. Um, that, <laughs> that's awesome. That, yeah, that was my first experience. So, um, getting to write this class, rereading all of the plays, watching, um, watching the various TV versions. Um, I will die on the hill that Denzel Washington is one of our best Shakespeare actors of our age. Uh-huh. Um, he's just incredible in Much Ado About Nothing and his Macbeth, his new Macbeth is oh. just Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm <laughs> my poor husband praying for him anyway. <laughs> He's fine. He's <laughs> fine. Okay. So uh, that's just a quick preview of some of the classes you can expect yeah. this summer and in the fall. But mm-hmm. again, back to the death of the essay, and you touched on it a little bit. We mm-hmm. were talking about like, do we really think the de- what is the death of the essay? AI has come along and AI has so many uses. Um, it's, it's good stuff. And also there's some, you know, ethical questions regarding it, obviously, like any new tech. Um, one of those questions is if AI can write as well as a person, do we need to teach essay writing to kids anymore? And you and I are both coming from kind of a English background, um, you more formally than I am, but we're both really committed to good writing. Yeah. Um, and so tell me what you think about, do you think that the, that AI is just going to wipe out the need to teach writing to our kids? If that were the case, then we wouldn't have authors anymore. And we wouldn't have any, I mean, we wouldn't have any kind of writing because AI would create all of our literature. It would create, it, there would be no need for more than half of academics, really, if you think about it. Um, So I think to say that AI would completely take over is preposterous. Um, But I do think that it's something as teachers, um, we need to be aware of, and we do need to be able to argue why you need to learn this. It's kind of like the spelling concept, right? Why do I need to learn how to spell? That's what I spell check for. Right. Till you use the wrong homonym and right. there, there, and there are not the same. And your spell right. check is not going to say that, you know? So, yeah. So we, and we were talking about, you said it would take out half of academics when we were talking prior to the recording. Um, one of the things that we're both pretty committed to is that good writing is good thinking. And one of the things that writing does for our students is it actually disciplines them and teaches and demands 
that they think well. So the right, the exercise of writing actually is honing your kids' critical thinking skills and ability and their reasoning abilities. And I think we can all, we can all agree that on Facebook, we all see really dumb arguments where people are up in arms and I'm leaving, they all go off in a huff and blah, blah, blah. And it really, you were talking about context cues too, Mm -hmm. Um, but really the inability to reason well and think through a series of logical arguments, writing teaches that to the brain. Um, So, so, I mean, do you have anything to add to that? I think we could just camp on this probably all day. I mean, and the thing is, I I do uh, self-assessments at the end of each of my semester for my students. And one of the questions on there is, where do you think you have the most growth se- this semester? Mm. And out of my, all of my students, almost 100% of them said, my writing and being able to like organize and articulate, you know, my writing and my thoughts and mm-hmm. just organize it. Like, they all were like, my writing is better. Wow. That is so cool. They, and they're seeing that too. Yes. So if, and that's the thing too, if you can organize an essay, you can organize how to plan a trip. You can uh, organize your kitchen. You can organize an argument. I mean, there's so much you can organize if you organize an essay, right? Because those are transferable skills (laughs) that you can apply to anything, right? So I love that you brought in organization too, because it's not just, I mean, organization is probably a subset of critical thinking, um, but, but it's so important to be able to just yeah. manage your life. Well, and you need to be able to connect dots to things. Right. Um, you know, we, we talk often about writing the thesis Yeah. and, or um, we were talking earlier about a prompt. Yeah. A lot of my students, you know, struggling with the concept of answering a prompt, not giving me a summary of what happened. Um, but maybe looking between the lines, critical thinking, which I know we'll get into here. Um, and always going back, I always tell my kids, every one of your body paragraphs should relate back to your thesis. Yeah. Your thesis should always support, answer, whatever, what the prompt is. If you're yeah. not following that hierarchy, it's wrong. Right. You need to fix it. You need to adjust something. Right. And that how many things do we talk about in life that are scaffolded? Right. Oh, yeah. And have that organization like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like you said, it's really transferable right. to a lot of skills, even if it doesn't seem like it. Right. It, it's actually transferable to biology, honestly. I mean, as you were thinking, I was just like, you know, and, and logic and so many other disciplines where you do have that clearly um, set out hierarchy. And if you understand the hierarchy, so many things just naturally fit into it. Um, and if you understand a thesis, you also understand an antithesis, (laughs) which I think is really important, right? (laughs) Yes. So tell us if, for those of you who don't know, you can probably define it much more succinctly than I am. What's an antithesis? (laughs) Oh gosh, you put me on the spot. Okay. I I can do it. (laughs) I'm like, can I define it? So if you have a thesis that sa- that states something, this is that the antithesis is, but some people the opposite. that this is not that. So, right. yeah, but I think it's important to teach that to kids and you do that, you do that implicitly in writing, but in some of the programs that we use, it's explicit. That's actually one of the exercises in 
some of our upper level writing classes where they have to add an antithesis. And it really helps kids. If you can write an antithesis, it means you have a really clearly defined thesis. If right. you can't write an antithesis, it means your, your thesis is probably a little mushy and needs tightened up. And that's right. always the hardest part of writing is tightening it up. What are you really going to focus on? Because there's always more. And my daughter and I were talking about this with one of her research projects for college. She's like, well, there's so many possibilities. Once you start researching, there's more and more and more. The world opens up and good writing is distilling it down to like this. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the hardest part of writing in some ways is what are you going to focus on? And what are you, what are you actually not going to focus on back to critical thinking skills? Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even just the the creativity and the uniqueness of it um I wrote my uh, my freshman year of college again this tells you a lot about me um my capstone paper that year was anti-semitism and racism in Shakespeare's works wow and my writing professor was like that was not that was not a prompt given to me we just had to do a research paper yeah so everybody else was doing like fun things. I went to a Christian college. So they're like worship music or whatever. And then there's me writing this 15 page paper (laughs) on anti-Semitism and racism in Shakespeare's works. I love it. And she was like, Anna, this is awesome. But what are you like? This is not what normal kids write about. Um, And, but that's, you lose that in AI, you know, like who's coming up with things like that. It's certainly not AI, you know? Right, right. And and AI has a programmer behind it. So it's not, it's artificial intelligence, but it's only as it's, it's not deep. It's, it can be wide, but it depends on how it's programmed. It depends on the technology behind the AI. There's more, there's some AI that's more advanced than others, but the writing AI is pretty, I would say it's, I, I don't know. Some of it is very sophisticated, but as far as like really critically thinking deeply about anti-Semitism and Shakespeare, um, I'd be really curious if there was AI that could handle that. Just that's available commonly at this point. I Me too, because it. it was not easy to research. No, I bet it wasn't. That's like a really, that could be like a dissertation actually. <laughs> um, one of the other things we were talking about um, in regards to the death, death of the essay is just how Language, I I heard an apologetic um, several months ago about how language actually proves intelligent design, that the, our ability as humans to speak and to write and to use language to communicate is so unique to us as creatures that it's actually proof of intelligent design. And I know that this is like a thing for you. Like you love this kind of apologetic. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) I mean, it's so, it's just, it's true. Like we were created so uniquely and so beautifully. Um, And there's a lot of beautiful and awesome parts about technology. I mean, you and I both know people that have for various disabilities or struggles or medical reasons, like they have needed things like this. Um, I was just seeing there are these cool new glasses that people that are deaf can wear um, and it like listens for them and actually gives them like subtitles. And so like, as they're having a conversation, it will listen and subtitle for them Wow! as a deaf, like that is incredible Amazing. and life-changing yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that that is totally uh, like a God inspired right. kind of thing to have. I think anytime that you start to try and do AI, 
um, you know, it's, it's playing God to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that goes with that, you know, starts to get a little hairy for sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a time and a place mm-hmm. for certain components of AI like that, yeah. but academics is not it. So it takes away from the accountability of the student. And again, the whole purpose of teaching our kids how to do these things is for them to be able to think and have the ability to um, reason and synergize information. Um, AIs really don't synergize very well and people do. And so you can't synergize what you don't know if you've outsourced to computers or AI. That's why learning how to write and learning how to write cursive, different brain activity in your head than typing on a keyboard we need to teach our kids those skills because it builds neural pathways. And the more neural pathways you have, the more you can synergize. So that is pulling together all this information. That's how we got AI in the first place is people who could right. synergize really super well. Because somebody who comes up with glasses that can subtitle while you're hearing, I mean, that's a lot of synergy happening. That's yeah. that's miraculous, right? Yeah, that's like crazy. Sure. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I imagine being an academic, reading a paper, right? Reading a journal, going to an author and having questions. Yeah. And they have no idea how to respond because they didn't write it. Yeah. You know, or, and that's totally a teacher trick for catching plagiarism too. Is like, oh, do you know what this sentence means? Uh-huh. And, or like, what context was this written in? You know, I can look at papers that I've written or, you know, yeah, papers I've written and have conversations with people. And I might have cited a sentence, yeah, but I could talk about the work as a whole or the article yeah. as a whole contextually along with my paper, right? Yeah. And so AI might be pulling resources, but is it in context? Is it truly applicable? Right. They might be pulling a sentence that's an antithesis from a whole paper. Right. right. But because it fits in the paper that it's working with, mm-hmm. it, you have no idea. And so I just can't imagine that it, the thought goes beyond that information as well as people think it would. Yeah. Um, and I will die on the hill of teaching the essays and the art of researching and writing as a whole until I'm dead, honestly. Um, We were, before we started, we were talking about Harold Bloom, who is a Yale professor, if I remember correctly, incredible. Um, And, you know, if we start relying on AI, if students and teachers start relying on AI, we will never have authors like that again. Yeah. I mean, his work, Shakespeare, the invention of the human is profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a mach- and he did that before the internet. Right, right. I mean, I mean truly, he wrote that book mm-hmm. over the span of like 15 years before the internet. Wow. And when we take, you know, and Shakespeare wrote before, well before the internet. Yeah. Um, when you take things like AI, again, it's incredible to have these resources at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. I love showing kids that, hey, if you find like a book yeah. on Google, it'll like you can copy and paste the citation right there. It has it for you. I mean, super awesome. Um, But when we rely too heavily, not just on AI, but as technology as a whole, 
-hmm. we lose that creativity yeah because it's getting spoon fed to us we're not forced to sit with our thoughts we're not forced to think outside of it to find to go beyond the first page of a google search yeah right you know i love that Um, with your thoughts that's so important i think i think it's really easy we have the world at our fingertips and yet uh, really there's so there's so much learning to be done with getting input and then just sitting and seeing what our brains do with it and seeing where God takes us with it. Um, instead of all this constant input of the phone and the videos and the YouTube. And um, I think that's why we need phone breaks. I mean, Angie Farrell and I just did a podcast and we're talking about the same thing. Like you need digital detox days at least once a week and, and even like longer for longer lengths of time. So not to have those, that constant input coming into your brain, but having a rest time um, allows your brain to actually think harder and work smarter. Yeah. Yeah. It seems a little antithetical, but yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about plagiarism too, and, um, this is something I think in this age of cut and pasting where it's so easy to share a meme and you're not stealing, you're sharing. That's what social media encourages us to do. We want broader reaches. So we're sharing. And, um, I think we've all learned hard lessons by watching colleagues get sued and paying big bucks because they didn't cite the source of the share. Um, And that's one of the things we're finding in our classes is that the kids really don't have an understanding of what plagiarism is. We've gone, we go over it and over it in our Latin comp classes, but we really hit it in English because that's where they're citing sources more. Right. If they cite them. (laughs) If they cite them. Yeah. And we were talking about this, the the issue that we end up having is, Kids will give us a work cited page. Yes. But there's nothing cited in the paper. Right, right. <laughs> and so you're like, what are you sending? Yeah. Um, and that's another absolute concern with AI. You know, plagiarism is turning in, using something as your own that is not. Yes. In, in, in its basis and in its most basic level, it is intellectual theft, right? And so to turn in something using AI, it feels borderline because yeah. nobody's getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Nobody's being stolen from. Yeah. But ethically, it's not your work. Right. You did not do it and you did not give AI the credit. You know, it's, it, yeah. the argument could be had, you know, uh, I oftentimes encourage my kids to use EasyBib to help them with their e- with their bibliographies. Yeah. They're not then citing EasyBib as a resource. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Um, And so I could see the argument that like, well, I don't cite EasyBib that helped me with my bibliography. So why would I cite AI to help me with my paper? Yeah. Because it's being thought of as a tool, not the actual content. Yeah. There is a fine line there with AI, isn't there? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the biggest difference is one is helping formatting structure. Yeah. I'm like, it, it helps you with organize, you know, the author's name, the title, the publisher, the publication date, you know, whatever. AI essays are the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's not your content and it's not being cited, it is that. Mm-hmm. it is plagiarism yeah. it is not yours 
Right. If you did not come up with the sentence in your brain, mm-hmm. it's not yours. That's just, right. that's just what it is. And yeah. so um, getting kids to understand just the idea of citing it and, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard for them. And this happens in public school too. So I am totally not like, this is a homeschool problem. I taught public school for yeah. five years. Um, it's hard for them when they're coming out of elementary school into middle school, even middle school into high school, mm-hmm. even, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors who, yeah. you know, maybe weren't really pushed to do citations or writing like this. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to understand that like in college, if yeah. you get caught plagiarizing, there are universities that it is, it is not like, a, oh, well, don't do it again. It is a do not pass go, do not collect 200, you're out. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you just said, colleagues that get sued because they didn't cite something, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. Um, a homeschool business was actually sh- sued for sharing a meme that had no context on it. There was no author or anything. And someone sued them for it and took them to court. A lot of money involved. Um, and that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I really do think, I mean, we were talking about this too. We don't, we're not looking at the kids as malicious or trying to get away with anything. In many ways, they just don't know. And they're so acclimated to social media, which is really share heavy, that there's this idea, what's the difference between sharing and plagiarism? Um, and this is what writing a good essay is going to teach them. <laughs> Yeah. Just one of the many skills writing a good yeah. essay will teach them. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's the death of the essay, not on my watch. I, I feel like teaching our kids to learn how to write a simple three to five paragraph essay in junior high, and then moving on into more in-depth essays and all kinds of comparative, um, persuasive, all the types of essays is so important to them because you're going to write essays the rest of your life, even if you have some AI stuff going on. Um, yeah. And creating that good content in your life. Essays really have changed the world, right? I mean, the sword is mightier or the pen is mightier than the sword. Um, And and I think that still holds true that people can change everything with with a good, well-written essay. Um, AI is not going to give us that depth of thought and the synergistic thought um, that a human being can be because AI is not created in the image of God. People are. Um, big difference right there. <laughs> For sure. I can't, I mean, I just think, I think about all of the essays that I've read, not just my students, but as a student, like doing research for different papers and, and different books. Um, my husband's uncle is a poultry expert. Um, <laughs> and it's really funny, but it's super true. I love it. Um, he just came out with, I think the fifth edition of um, his poultry and breeding book. And it's essentially a collection of his essays over the years. And what's really cool about it, I was just talking to him about it at Thanksgiving, um, is they go through the essays when they're doing a new, new edition and okay, what do we know now that we didn't know when I wrote this 10 years ago? Yeah. And they update information where necessary. Um, they add like new ones that he's written since the last edition, Um, but I mean, there are legitimately poultry people around the world that use that book as like a Bible for their chickens. Um, and which sounds like such a silly example, but But it's not like totally get it. (laughs) But I mean, he's the guy helping the Google, the, um, 
the Google building out in Pittsburgh, he went out there and helped them put chickens on their roof for their cafe to have fresh eggs. Um, Also heard this story at Thanksgiving. And so, you know, it's silly things, seemingly silly things like that. AI is not writing those essays. Right, right. Right? Um, AI is not writing essays on the effects of the Crusades on the English language. Right. Um, as AI is not writing essays, and it can't. It okay. just can't. Yeah. And I know that I read another article that Google is working on scanning in every single book ever. Wow. Every, they are working on a collective beehive, basically, like an international worldwide start to finish the oldest literature and text we have all the way to the newest every single book in existence they're working on scanning and digitizing wow which like in a lot of ways is is kind of cool as somebody who has a wild library collection which i know you do too like it it feels cool in my brain it is going to give people in remote parts of the world who barely have internet access access to things that they would not normally but how much easier then is it also going to make it for things like ai to write essays because now they're going it's going to have the resources in the books to research yeah exactly wow that's that is interesting i'm gonna have to i'll i'll try to find where that's at and put a link in here in the show notes because we're going to turn this into a podcast too so check out the podcast um, and it is the Life Skills 101 Life Skills for Digital Age podcast, which this fits in very nicely too. And I see Nora has joined us. She has been advocating for painting since we've been talking. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. I and like I said, I don't think I don't think this is the age of the death of the essay, nor do I think it should be in any future generation, because this is a great tool to teach our kids critical thinking skills help them understand language as a tool because they're created in the image of God, teach them the difference between plagiarism and creating content versus using tools and doing hard things. Um, such good, good skills all in one little paper. <laughs> I love it. Teachers know, like yeah. I tell my kids, just don't plagiarize because I'm going to find it. I find it yeah. every single time. And I yeah. honestly do yeah. um, because there's no way that after reading short responses on things that you're going to pull out an essay that looks like a college professor wrote it. Exactly. You know, like it just doesn't work that way. And so for a student to, you know, if we're talking about our level as a teacher, for a student to try and use AI on an essay is just silly because you are you as a student. The chance that you're going to write like that on the regular is slim. Right. So yeah, just learn how to write. Learn how to write. write. Yeah. And okay. So, and I just want to do one more plug for your fall classes too. Well, people can join you for spring to take the Bronte portion of the Austin and Bronte class. Is that true? Correct. Right. Um, I mean, if they really wanted to, I just finished listening to Wuthering Heights again and I'm like, good Lord, this is going to be a fun one. Oh my gosh. Better you than me. I, there's a couple books in my can't stand pile and that's kind of one of them. Um, but I, I mean, we can talk about that later, (laughs) um, but you can join Anna for spring semester doing Bronte. It's a half credit of English. Um, and she'll be doing two classes on deep dives into books this summer for our six week summer session. And then next fall, she'll be back with dystopian Latin comp again, 
that class fills fast. So if you want it, we're going to open registration in January. Keep an eye out for it. And then you're also going to be doing Shakespeare, a year long Shakespeare class. Woo. Yes. And comp. We're and doing six plays. Six plays. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And then um, help me out with the third one. I know what it is, but. That was it. Shakespeare, uh, Austin Bronte. Okay. dystopian and Shakespeare. Yep. Okay. So you'll be back doing Austin Bronte in the, yes. in the fall again. Yes. Wonderful class. I mean, yeah, I could, I could just talk that's on my, I do love pile. So, um, I mean, Austin. <laughs> I, so we did pride and prejudice first because uh -huh. that's the storyline that most Everybody. people are familiar with and to kind of get them into it. Um, and then we read Sense and Sensibility, which was actually her first novel. Yeah. And the kids had so much fun like reading both of them and going, oh my gosh, this was her first one. And yeah. just seeing the differences between the two novels and how she did character structure and how strong her themes are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's been a super fun class. And I do have a boy in that class and he's crushing it. Yeah. He's these are, these are books the boys should Austin read. Bronte. Yeah. I, the dystopian lit too, we've talked about this in other podcasts, but um, yeah. I love it because it, you really focus on identity and who you are. And this is such an important concept for kids right now. They are being deluged with, you can create your own identity. You can be whoever you want. Look, I can't be a Pharaoh. I mean, that is such, that is such a lie. You can't yeah. be whoever you want. You're who God created you to be. And I think this class dystopia is here. The kids love it. They embrace it. Yeah. And having a class like this which teaches them to think critically about the dystopian lit, what makes good dystopian lit, what makes garbage dystopian lit. Cause yeah. there's a lot of both out there. I happen to really yeah. love this genre. Um, and then they get to write some dystopian lit on their own. And I'm so excited for that part. I, I mean, like, that's I such a great it. exercise because it, it's going to help them. It's not just reading is pretty passive, but writing is a very active exercise. And so it takes them from the lit analysis and really thinking about, identity and culture and what if everything ends and are we all going to die in nihilism to right. huh, what story do I have to share? And even though there's these themes of things could look really dark right now, where's the, where is the light and the redemption and the hope at the end of the tunnel? I mean, it's, it's just such a great class for your kids. So yeah, yeah excited. I'm, I've been working on it. Um, I'm doing a lot of flipped classroom model for yeah. the writing in the spring, just because I want to be able to have the class time to have discussion, group discussion, and them talk about their stories and what they're doing. Um, tell and tell I, everybody what a flipped classroom is. Um, so I'm essentially pre-recording like different lessons and videos kind of thing for them to watch for their homework. Yeah. Um, and then they'll come to class to talk about it versus me spending the class time lecturing and then them responding to yeah. it. Um, and so I have a friend who does, um, videography, um, she's done some really cool stuff. And, uh, so she's, because one of their options is to, um, their final submission can be any format. It can be a short story. It can be a film. It could be a screenplay, a script, whatever. And so she, as kind of like a behind the scenes person, what does she look for when she's looking in a script? What kind of directions and things beyond the story yeah. that, you know, she looks for in that. And so she's recording a video and sending that to me. And um, I love getting to pull in yeah. other professionals and people to give real life experience. And I told her, I was like, I don't, this isn't kind of 
my world. So I don't know what questions to ask you. She's like, I got this. Um, And so just the idea of these kids, they're all just so excited. Like they're ramping up for this all year. And we've done little assignments here and there to prep for it. Um, And we're starting off the semester though, like we talked about um, with Imago Day, with the um, created in the image of and talking about their identity. Um, I told them all to talk to family over break about, you know, talk to your great aunt about where your family's from. Like, it always surprises me how many kids are like, um, I think I'm Irish. Like, that was a real shot in the dark there, friend. Um, I have a family that's very into all of that. Again, AI can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Um, and I know that my family immigrated from Liverpool, that I'm potato famine Irish and things like that. And so um, I want them to know that stuff coming it. into the spring semester. Yeah. Because it's going to build on that concept of identity, not just for them, but as they're creating characters. Yeah. Um, and these are the kind of things I think about. Um you know, they sit AIs in front of a TV for 12 hours and then say, okay, write a sitcom, right? And it's a mashup of like crazy things. Yeah. Um, that's always, I guess, what I think of as AI. They've probably gotten a little smarter by now. I think there, I think there, there's a lot of good tech going on right now. I yeah. mean, it is like, it is Techville out there. Um, so, so some of the AIs are really, really sophisticated. Um, yeah. I don't know that that's going to really be, I don't think that the AIs that our kids have necessarily are that sophisticated to have access to or that's right. well, I just can't imagine that AIs would be cool enough to write characters like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like right. just and again with the essay, just having the having, I don't know, and that goes back to that we are made so uniquely and creatively. Yeah. Exactly. To have AI try and, you know, do that too. I just can't yeah. imagine it. Yeah, I can't either. Anna, you've taught at True North Homeschool Academy. This is your second year, right? Am I correct? Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of lose track on a couple of people because <laughs> you've worked behind the scenes. So it seems like you've been around for a long time. It does. Um, it does feel that way. <laughs> yeah. This is your second year of teaching at True North Homeschool Academy. What's one thing you can tell our listeners or watchers about teaching online with kids? I know a lot of people have some bad experiences. What is, yeah. what's one thing you'd like to just leave with, with everybody today? It's a lot more fun than you think it is. Aww, I love <laughs> um, that. It, I think it's it's a lot more interactive than you think yeah. it is too. Yeah. Um, I think that some sometimes people take for granted that's online and that they can just do things at their own pace or that like, oh, if we skip, it's not a big deal. Um, but our classes really truly are interactive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we are able to build... <laughs> Not just, like incredible relationships with our students and the students have been able to really build friendships with each other even yeah. just seeing each other for an hour a week um and that's been really special for me and is seeing kids we were talking about setting mm-hmm. um in dystopian lit and kids talking about where they live we've got kids in nevada louisiana pennsylvania scotland yeah uh, we're all in very different settings right and just seeing them all talk about the amount of rain that they get, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's so much more interactive and fun than you would. Weather did not sound fun, but it's so much more fun. No, and interactive. It, it, the kids always um, talk about weather. Yeah. yeah. 
I love it. And we, and we do that deliberately. We keep our classes small group in size so the kids can interact with each other and the teachers. But I love that you said that and uh, your online presence in your classroom, you have so much energy. Um, and so anyway, it's just a delight to have you teaching for true North. So I love it. I'm so glad. Um, and you'll be back next year, but if you guys want to jump into Austin, uh, or Bronte this spring, mm-hmm. there's place for you. We still have a few seats left in that class yeah. and then check out the six week summer session. And of course, next fall, our catalog will be live in January. So coming up soon. All right, Anna and Nora, thanks for joining me today. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening in everybody. Hey, everybody, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy, and I just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs, testing, advising, mom's membership, and more at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We do offer live online, dynamic, interactive, small group classes, so when your students take classes with us, they're not in a, they're not in a Zoom room full of 100 people. We keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, We like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, Clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year, 2022, for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by True North School Academy. Um, We're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children. Again, check out truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. And thanks for listening to today's podcast.